Hello and welcome to another episode of the St. George's Rod and Staff, the official podcast of the Church of St. George the Martyr Tales River. It is the 21st Sunday after Pentecost and my co-host, the Archdeacon Rodney Whiteman, has extracted this theme, celebration of ministry within the family of God's church. Would you like to, good morning, firstly, and would you like to kind of clarify what the method behind the theme is? Okay. Good morning, Lindsay, and good morning to you listeners. Thanks for tuning in. Um, this actually came out of a discussion we were having on um, the first planning, parish planning meeting since COVID. Mm. Um, and in my mind was, the, you know, the theme of rebuilding and building. And then as the conversation flowed around the table, um, there was a suggestion that we need to revive the the tea fellowship in between services. Mm. Um, you know, people would normally say, or a person may normally say, you know, the people are saying, so I don't know how many people they were talking to. But anyway, there was a great sense that that needs to happen as part of the rebuilding so that people can meet one another again. As we were talking, so that, that became the family part of the service. So I said, okay, let's then do the one service. Then the Sunday school said, hold it, but we were having a bake sale. So um, I said, okay, good. So we have the service and you can sell your, your goodies for the eats, uh, for the what's the name. So, you know, that brought the children's ministry into play. And then um, talking about ministry, so how do we revive the various ministries we have had still existing and for them to get focused? So I said, why don't we then do a series on celebrating ministry as part of the rebuilding of the life of the parish? Yeah. Um, and that's how this theme became the the, 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 the thing. In, in the month of November, the parish normally has the rededication of ourselves. So we then update our, our data uh, that, the, that the, you know, if people have moved, phone numbers have changed and so on. But, but this year, the focus is also on looking at what skills people have and what they're willing to bring to the table. So we look at the existing ministries, but we are also asking, do, does our skills base help us to see if there's other ministries that are needed that the parish needs to um, perhaps be open to the, and help develop? Um, and so that, that's so that this rededication also then played a role in this theme. Um, you know, looking at the church, what's its mission? And if it has a mission, then it has a ministry. And what is that? What are those ministries? Yeah. Uh, which for me, for example, the centrality of the life of the church is celebrated in the act of worship on a Sunday as the gathered community. And mm -hmm. then from there, we are sent out and sent out into the place of work, uh, place of learning to our communities and so forth, and also to engage the world through the lenses that we work. Um, of course, what, when we come back to, to, re, to regather the next week, 
we bring all of that with us before yeah. God, you know. So it's that interplay between sanctuary and street. It's the interplay between um, God um, and the world. Mm. And we as the church, as an instrument, uh, working towards the kingdom of God uh, that Jesus came to establish. Okay, that's that's quite interesting, and 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 it feeds into a, a, another theme that kind of runs through, maybe not so much the gospel, but actually also the gospel. Um, there's this this idea we've we've been flirting with it for a while, um, or at least talking around it, uh, and and it's like the identity politics of being Christian, of of choosing a religion. So the first reading is from Haggai. I hope I said that correctly. Haggai. Haggai. Chapter 1, verses 15 um, to chapter 2, verse 9. And I'm going to take it down to, so this is obviously the the Lord speaking to another prophet in the time of of King Darius. And so verse 6 goes, Before long I will shake heaven and earth, land and sea. I will overthrow all the nations, and their treasures will be brought here, and the temple will be filled with my wealth. All the silver and gold of the world is mine. The new temple will be no more splendid, will be no more, will be more splendid, apologies, uh, than the old one. And there I will give my people prosperity and peace. The Lord Almighty has spoken. Uh, and it, it speaks to this this idea that um, I, I was having I was having a discussion with with a few Muslim people, and we were talking about the the linguistics of of the word Muslim, and it literally means something to Allah. So now it's this movement, this quite progressive movement, where um, Abraham is being characterized as as being Muslim, um, and obviously the counter is that uh, like Islam didn't exist in the time of Abraham. But then it's like the definition of Muslim is one who submits to God. So then it, then they extrapolate that and they go into like Christianity is like people worshiping a man. And I, I, it's very interesting that, that we get these sorts of narratives and, and, and the Paul <laughs> narrative also speaks to this idea of, of like, how you define the culture of your religion um, and and how that then impacts how you relate the rest of the world. Yeah, you know, um, it, it'd be interesting to see how people, you know, engaged each other in previous times and you know you 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 get the book books that tell you from of course biased perspectives mm. on, on how this is my question would be is always why is there a fight why is there claims of certain ownerships yeah. uh, to the exclusion of the other and was that what god intended did god create the world in such a way that the development of faith, spirituality, religion would have <laughs> entered the annuals of history as perhaps one of the worst uh, um, 
uh, uh, proponents of war mm. and violence, you know. And so we have these huge fights even till today about religion. And even yeah. Christians fighting with Christians uh, because traditions are worshipped. Traditions of worship are different. Humeneutics, uh, how you read the Bible is different, how you view the Bible is different, and so forth. Um, and, and, you know, uh, then you get um, those who try to explain uh, why their religion is the most important and, you know, and so it's fight to fight with words. Yesterday, interestingly, I was happened to be watching a YouTube clip of uh, Pastor Gino Jennings has become quite famous um, because according to the people, he's a prophet that speaks the truth. So he has this phrase, um, let me speak Bible. So anybody from any religion, from any tradition who, who engages him, he goes and runs around the Bible with various texts and then explains yeah. And people now think because he's done that. And I was listening to a debate with a guy from Jamaica who was saying certain things, but they were they were arguing. It's interesting that uh, the, this guy said Jesus didn't preach about himself. Uh, Jennings says, well, uh, he talks about him and the Father. He was speaking mm -hmm. about himself. Now he's speaking and preaching the same thing. Yeah. So when I went to look up the Greek words, they are far different to each other. But what yeah. were, what were these guys arguing about? An English translation. Yes. And, and 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 semantics. So at the end of the day, isn't that what all this rhetoric about is? When, for me, the most balanced principle that I've ever been encountered of any religion is. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Mm -hmm. And if we can, can embrace that principle and try to find out what does, what does it mean in everyday living? Even though I embrace the one who, who, who emphasized that, who brought it to my attention in the scriptures, Jesus. Um, um, and, I, and I understand him. That's part of his saving work to make us see what the best principle to live by is. So I embrace not just the principle, I embrace him as the teacher because uh, I need so much work in my life to be able to get to loving, to be able to get to embracing love. So now, um, so that for me is part of the work of salvation and, yeah. and also the work that the Spirit of God convicts and helps us to grow through it. So why then do I have to fight with another brother or sister about semantics of religion? Mm -hmm. uh, and if if it's happy, if they're happy to believe that that's where their faith goes, that's okay. Um, at the end of the day, all points of view come with biases. Mm -hmm. All points of view. But for me, the principle that Jesus taught is an inclusive. Um, yeah. And so, and so, therefore, I think if we were to really embrace that, and it would be a great witness for those of us who claim to be Christians and to be humble about it, not arrogant and warlike, simply because people don't want to accept Jesus or because they don't, they'll take the principle, not the man, 
you know, um, at the end of the day, do I stand as judge of others? Mm -hmm. Or are we here to help one another find the truth together? Um, instead of, of, of creating an atmosphere of war. Like, and sadly, our children, the next generations are born into that. Um, and they become enslaved to that idea. Mm. I think if we truly embrace the person who taught us, and praise, you know, for me, that's the, and what he taught in that. Uh, he taught, for me, that would, would help if we could make it help happen. With yeah. our, um, you know, embrace of that principle. Mm. Uh, it, it's very interesting, and then obviously our, our our big fan fiction boy Paul, in his second letter to the Thessalonians, chapter two, verses one to five and thirteen to seventeen, and I'm going to take you down. I'm going to skip all the revelations type talk that he that he has <laughs> here. Um, but I'm going to go to to verse thirteen, where it's like we must thank God at all times for you, friends. Whom, you whom the Lord loves, for God chose you as the first to be saved by the Spirit's power and make you his holy people and by your faith truths. God called you through the good news we preach to you. He called you to possess your share of glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So again, it, it's it's this this concept of, of a chosen people. And I mean, at, at the time, what was interesting about Haggai's um, words is it's spoken into a a very specific yeah. um, kind of period uh, so they came out of egypt there was the exodus from egypt um, but now it's like the, the persians who have who have come in and the babylonians who have come in and and are dominating as well so there's there's all this idea obviously when in slavery right there, there is camaraderie it's the same with within war like brothers in arms, that sort of thing. And like the identity of that is very powerful, right? So when you come to a moment that we have now in 2022, where humans are more prosperous than we have ever been in our lifetime, right? We, we are richer than we've ever been. Um, we have more food, more everything. We have more luxury. We, we're not actively being, I mean, obviously there's certain pockets in, in, in the world and, and, and I don't want to amplify those, those kinds of things right now because in the fullness of time, we will find that even choosing sides within those geopolitical conflicts are, is, is a little bit futile. Um, but yeah, just, just speaking into, into this moment that, that it's dangerous then for a large number of people to walk around with this idea of being chosen uh, because that immediately creates an other. The moment you decide that somehow you are special and it's like you are special but like that's for your own self-confidence like you walk around like I said before um, on, on this podcast, like you, you deserve the opportunities that have been granted to you because why else would they have been granted to you, you know? So when you take up a job, when you command a space, when you have been given responsibility, like you should not feel the doubt um, and rather do the best in your ability to, to you know, commit to, to whatever task you've been given. 
Um, but when it comes to like these kinds of, and I'm, I'm, I'm calling it out, it, it, these, these made up narratives, right? Like nobody gave Paul the authority. Another group of people chose it. Like, like, so uh, again, I'll, I'll go to, to that, that old series called The Chosen, where it's literally the story of Jesus choosing his disciples and then following like their lives. So like they were chosen, you know, like just by the definition of the word. And, and sorry to go into the semantics again, but, but here you have a guy who's like, no, you were chosen because of this. And it's like, no, guy. <laughs> like, can, 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 you, can you at least understand in the fullness of like time how dangerous this kind of speak is and how it then creates those those. Uh, ideological differences and, and like this this idea of identity politics that's tied to um, religious and, and cultural identity. You know, it made, it made me think, and I suppose influenced by uh, certain things I've been watching in terms of sport. Yeah. Um, soccer on a professional level, for example, <laughs> your individual um, need is to be part of the first 11. You're chosen to be on the team, but you're not necessarily chosen always to be in the first 11 yes. players. So, so but, but you cho- you, 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 your talent has been scouted, you've been in earmarked, and you've been or made an offer, you, you're now chosen to play on, in that team. You choose to adhere to that. Why? Because you believe in the philosophy of the club and you would like to make this club the greatest that there is in the time that you are given. So what therefore does chosen and called mean? Does it mean you're so separated that every focus is just around you and not around anybody else? Or does the word chosen and and calling uh, allude to the fact that you called for a bigger purpose, you chosen to be part of this so that you can help the work of what of the person who chose who's chosen you to be. So it does it does it make you of course we have the idea of being special once we're chosen. But I think we also delude ourselves to think being chosen means right now we don't have to do anything. We're not part of the bigger cause. We can just shout from the sideline because we happen to be chosen. For me, that's not what that means. Uh, and it doesn't, nor does the word calling mean that. The calling is <clears throat> part of something greater and bigger, not to just be part of the big, the chosen, but to get the message out there so that others can also hear the calling for their life. Um, that what I'm chosen to be part of has got implications for others. Yes. So in a way, Show being chosen and called means I'm part. I'm I'm collaborating in the service of, you know, for want of better words, that philosophy, the philosophy of the kingdom of God, to 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 you know the the great commission go to all the world, and and you know, reach out to them in the love of God. So for me, that is what the word chosen and called mean. Now I do understand that your what your view is is a very very important. Because that's the illusion that the word, particularly the word chosen, um, mean. And, and I think that 
uh, if it's to the exclusion of others, therefore then I don't think we understood what the word, the word chosen, the chosen mean. If we go back to the covenant in ex Exodus chapter 20, um, just, just those words already tell you. Um, uh, so they come through the liberation, uh, we're being liberated from, 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 from being in exile and prison for 400 years, uh, generationally. And then they come to be led out and they brought to the mountain, Mount Sinai. So now what, what is God says? I want to form a covenant with you in which you will, I will be your God. You will be my people. You will be a holy nation and a kingdom of priests. Then he gives them the law that would help um, deliver them from the thinking of the law that made them slave mm. so that they can be free. I mean, if you think about the whole law, if, if, if what Jesus says is correct in terms of the summary of the law, the intention was therefore not to beat and batter and bulldoze people uh, because that would have been the wrong understanding. Unfortunately, that's what Israel was caught doing. And they lost the plot so many times because the perception, uh, there was a sense of nationalization around who they now become, their new identity. But there is historical proof that the people who met at Sinai and met early, I think, at Shiloh, they, they, were, they, they, were, they were not an a, a harmonious group of people. Yeah. in terms of culture and religion. Uh, the understanding is that even people from Egypt uh, who are in the poorer sectors of, 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 of the, the, the land was yeah. part of that. So there's no way where there's pure and spotless uh, in terms of culture and as people talk about blood, blood is red, but you know what, you know what I mean when, when they think they're more special. Than so I don't think the words God chose you and so you are now so special that he's written off everybody else. I don't think that. So my um, metaphor of the soccer thing, the mm -hmm. ultimate goal is that you win, you're playing for this club because you believe in his philosophy and you want to help make it the best club they can be with the talent that you give. So yeah. you are there as, and you want to make the first team so that you can, your skills with the others can bring the victories that, the club once, so I think that it's part. That for me is 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 part of what is going on here now. It's not about beating other people. It's it's if you think of the wide parameters of of soccer, it it's to bring enjoyment to the fans. It's um, you know the brilliance of the skills on the team, all those kind of things. Uh, the competitiveness we all we need all of those kind of things. I think. But chosen and called does not separate you as if you now don't have to do anything. You're being called to be part of something big, something great, something for everyone. Mm. Yes, yes, it's that idea of chosen. But but there's one thing that I, that I enjoyed about about your first um, response uh, in this was that idea of um, love the Lord. Uh, with you love the Lord your God with all, all your heart. Um, there's there's no there's no mention of submit in that. And and obviously, I mean, uh, uh, Jesus as a philosopher was was very 
or at least what is ascribed to him. He was very particular with his language because he knew the, the power of language. And it, it, it's also, if you go back to like Greek translations um, um, of these, these scrolls, or at least original translations of, of the Greek, um, you get to this point where there aren't many absolutes within the words that are, are ascribed to Jesus. There's, there's a, a lot of, not I wouldn't call it vagueness, but it's, it's just enough to, to deliver the message and the importance of, of like the relationship. Uh, but it's very focused on, on the idea of love. And, and love is, is one of those things where it's, it's not demanded. You know, it's it's given freely. Okay. Same with, with with trust, and and I know there's that whole idea of like trust must be earned and all that sort of stuff. But um, in the words of Hemingway, the best way to test um, your trust in somebody is to trust somebody. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. absolutely. When in, in in the Luke passage, chapter twenty, verses twenty-seven to thirty-eight, um, when when the when the Sadducees come and they don't believe in like resurrection and they ask him, teacher Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies leaving a wife, this is to your point about like the law that was given down like on, on Mount Sinai. So um, the brother dies leaving a wife but no children, the man shall marry the widow and raise up children for his brother. Now there were seven brothers the first married and died childless and then the second third married her and so in the same way, all seven died childless. Finally, the woman also died. Um, and then Jesus says, to those who belong to this age and marry are given in marriage, but those who are considered worthy of a place in that age and in the resurrection from the dead, neither marry nor are given in marriage. Indeed, they cannot die anymore because they are like angels and are children of God, being children of the resurrection. And the fact that the dead are raised Moses himself, and the fact that the dead are raised, Moses himself showed in the story about the bush, where he speaks of the Lord as the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. Now he is God, not of the dead, but of the living, who to him all of them are alive. So he's kind of mocking them for the interpretation of, of the law. Um, but but in, a, in a very, in a, while also teaching them uh, a, a new perspective on it, and 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 it's that where the philosopher Jesus really impresses me um, with with these kind of measured responses where he will achieve multiple objectives within the same rhetoric. Um, and 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 I and I think that's very fascinating. And it's 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 then impossible to me. For religious leaders, Christian leaders, Christian scholars, to take so much nuance and have the audacity to distill it into like finite terms because they feel some out, outward pressure to 
deliver like a judgment call you know you see isn't that where the problem of interpretation comes yeah and 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 um, i remembered as i engage people along my path of life there were words like this you know and pastor said so the authentic message of the deliverance or bishop said so so now where is the actual or a reference of the interpretation coming from yeah. so I, i am um i'm i embrace that we as anglicans have have in that we read we first read the whole bible in the texts of the day yeah you know, so so that and and that they are specifically chosen along the lines that it would help us in the seasons of the liturgical see se- 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 the liturgical year um based on the three uh, um um synoptic gospels matthew mark and luke so we need to see and luke is the focus but john is thrown into the into the frame now read the whole bible so the people are first hearing the reading of the scriptures and as the reading continues so the readers are invited into the story to try and make sense of what they are hearing from the story and therefore what possible message would god be speaking to their hearts given the circumstances that they are currently in because those circumstances also has a way of dictating how we listen and to what we listen um and sometimes it also the 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 reading would then point up something perhaps that is not part of where we are that just wakes us up to to an a to perspective we didn't have when we were listening to the reading mm-hmm. now we get the interpretation there and is interpretation speculated um exegesis is needed to get into the text so this highlights a story around one of the um antagonists in the story around Jesus Jesus is seen as the protagonist and you have his enemies the gospel stories around Jesus and you have those with he with whom he engaged and so they were scholars of the of the, of the Torah and the prophets um and their learning has brought them to this notion for example there is no resurrection um now is resurrection an important theme for my daily living um well last night i went to sleep sleep is like a death covered in darkness blanketed in darkness when our eyes do open to the new light we we arise out of our sleep and we start engaging the world uh through our families you know i don't i don't know if you part of that tradition that the first thing you get up is to open the curtains to see what the weather is like oh, <laughs> <So. that's> <laughs> 
I, I ease into my day with the fruit rituals and I check the weather on my phone because so, your eyes can sometimes deceive you. So that is one of one one aspect of of, a, of of resurrection for me. The other about you know you you know many, many times we end up in the dull drums either through our own sense of self identity being challenged or impacted by whatever else is going around us. And we walk, walk through the tunnel of darkness and then somehow we arise out of that and the doom and the gloom is gone and it's as if the sun is shining on us again. Or our relationships have taken a battering, we find some way to reconcile and then it moves us into a new experience of relationship again, a, a renewal. So, so, you know, for me, the signs of resurrection are there. Does that therefore conjure up in me a sense that I must hope for resurrection beyond something called death? Mm. Um, and so here was an interpretation of Moses, what Moses said. So again, they playing Jesus up against Moses. What kind of teacher was Moses and what kind of teacher is Jesus? And Jesus I, and I thought was very brilliant, you know, and I'm, and I'm thankful that you, re you, you, you read that part. It woke me up to something I never saw in this text before. He, he uses the story of the burning bush in mm -hmm. Exodus as an understanding that Moses had, or not Moses had, but Moses experienced. Yeah. Um, that there is resurrection because I'm speaking about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and, J and Jacob. Mm. Uh, now, now, now. These people, are they dead? Are they not living anymore? Yeah. I'm speaking of the Lord. So here he brings that up. And, and what I, and I remembered some years ago, you know, or woken up that experience for me. I remembered being a deacon. And um, I had, there was a conversation with my rector and somebody else. And I had said, but in the scripture, it says, God's not God of the dead, God of the living. No, no, no. <laughs> Jesus never said that. I never argued with my rector. I never showed him in the Bible because I was hoping he would discover it for himself. But does that mean there, that um, resurrection hope is there for everyone? That God being God of people while they walk on earth is also God of people after death has happened. Mm. Does it bring that resurrection hope to the fore? So what happens therefore in this question to family beyond the grave. What is Jesus saying? Uh, would, be, be, would there be a different view of a different experience of what it means to belong to each other on this earth? Mm -hmm. Will I be reunited um, in, in, in that? Um, you know, Jesus says, I think there's another text where he actually says, I can't remember where it was. When they mentioned this, Jesus said, you neither know the power of God, nor do you know scripture. Mm -hmm. He challenged the scripture. So it's a, it's a very interesting, um, I mean, now that we're talking about family this week, yeah. uh, you know, this is perhaps a very helpful uh, text for us to just look at that. Um, up there, or wherever it is, there is, we are like children of the resurrection, children of God. And mm -hmm. what is all of that going to mean? Because that is what we, for example, seek to be on earth, children of God. Yeah. 
and if angels is not, you know, when you talk about angels, in some sense, we don't talk about angels as necessarily the message of God, because that's what the word means. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when you say your child's an angel, you mean your child is good. Uh, um, that's how we interpret the word angel. Yes. But maybe it's good. Our child is there for a messenger of good news, <laughs> of, of <laughs> goodness. So, 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 you know, the things that we long is for is what Jesus seems to be saying to me will be complete. Long to be a child of God um, on this earth and difficult it is. I long to be um, 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 a child of the resurrection. So, in other words, I'm not just espousing um, to life after death. I'm trying to make sense of life now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and resurrection has to deal with life, new life at that. Yeah, but it's also like some classic uh, rhetoric uh, technique used there by 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 old Jesus, where he he takes the because because Moses was was the person who passed down the law. Like he wrote the five books and like he codified everything. Um, so obviously there there's there will be staunch followers of that. Believe yeah. that they following the original way, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The old ways. Um, and then he introduces his explanation, his interpretation, a, a, a different interpretation of of the law, and also moves it. He frames it differently, where you kind of getting that that progressive mentality, where he's he's saying that like those laws were made for specific for a specific circumstance, mm. and maybe was misinterpreted, and then then he positions Moses as like a a um, <laughs> my words are escaping me today <laughs> as a as a, a untrustable witness, um, I, I I just lost the, the the term for it now. And where it's like the dude had this experience and he recounted experience, but then didn't take like the actual lesson out of that and didn't allow that to then feed into the law that he then codified. Um, and and then presents a, a a new take on it. So it's 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 ultimately like breaking down their image of of like what would be their Messiah at the time, um, who was Moses. And 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 that's fascinating. And you'll see this especially in the, in the run up to to kind of elections, um, national elections, even even re- regional elections. You'll, you'll see that they were obviously exercised by different. Types of people and and with varying competencies, um, where they'll they'll twist ideologies and and policies of of their opponents, and then present they like just fully undress the opponent and then present them naked and say, okay, fine, <laughs> here's some new clothes that you can wear. With <laughs> um, with yeah, it it's it, it, it's it's something that I think through this podcast, I'm, I'm trying to, I've tried to highlight to people is you have to look at the techniques, the, the it's psychological warfare. Um, and you must be careful to not 
fall into those traps because like like you have advertising now um where social media and like the the the, the precision of advertising the psychological precision the the kind of data that can feed those strategies um is out brains were never ready and we fall into all of those marketing traps now and we end up living beyond our means um and and ultimately if you take it all the way back to the invention of the printing press like the bible was the ultimate propaganda tool because it was the only widely available media and there is power in that. and you have to look at the intention of the people who are publishing it and like even as we spoke in the past where you have the different versions like the good news bible was actually used as as a little bit of a tool to entrench very dangerous apartheid type narratives um by excluding excluding nuance and complexity from its text it was simplified down to like just a single message targeted at a certain group of people and and removed all of the gray areas and the nuance and the possible discussion um and then that stunts an entire generation that uses that as gospel because you're not exposed to wider kind of intellectual ideas Mm. Yeah. Wow. You're really taking me on a tour of um, Mount Everest now. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I want to start off, if I'm in my response to you, is um, you know, uh, Professor John Sackett, Professor Reverend John Sackett, um, he's always always propo- propo- proposing that. We should read scripture in its original context. That's the that's the first thing. Of course, when the church moved to Rome and Constantine and all of that played, the Vulgate became the big thing that um, certain people were taught. Now, in the context of scripture here, the Sadducees would have been. Um, those from the intellectual ranks educated people and stuff like yeah. that so the people who were less educated and impoverished would have had to listen to them reading and interpreting what mm. torah meant for them and of course if you if you coming from a perched position and you schooling others whose position is in a more impoverished context then are you speaking down to them or are you speaking on level ground to them mm. um so so the church did not want ordinary people to get hold of the bible part part partly because it was you know people weren't educated priests were educated those who came into the priesthood and they were the ones that were given the role to read the scriptures to the people but as I, as we all, as you and i have agreed on this program reading scripture even at its original language is an interpretation 
Yeah. If you're hitting it into a different context, people are going to listen to it from the context that they are in. Mm-hmm. Um, it is up to the honest preacher, inverted commas, who will then say, this was the context of the reading. How then does context relate to context and how therefore does the story we're reading from, what does it teach us for our context in terms of what it taught in that context? Now, was Jesus pulling Moses down to size or was Jesus challenging the way in which Moses was interpreted? Um, In order for the man on the streets, the woman on the streets, the child on the streets to be able to embrace a message of hope. Um, And and then we have it in our context too. Um, You know, I always wonder why in in, in the townships do people flock to hear the pastor who just reads the text and preaches, where he takes out all the, as you said, complexities of the text Mm -hmm. and makes it a word from God immediately written to the heart of the one seeking. Um, And so... Now you come into the context of the Anglican Church and it, and people think we're a little because we speak English. Now we're a little bit higher than the rest of, the, of, of them. And so people don't find solace. Perhaps it's better to be where the pastor is when the pastor could be selling them a cheap message. Uh, doesn't mean we're not selling. We, we, we can't be accused of selling people with the, with the what's name, but that is why we have to make sure of those that we discern being called and those who are called to, to preach, that their training is, is up to standard. Uh, that the training is, hey, how do, how, I know I've been often accused of speaking words that are a little bit too high and somebody has said I may have, uh, I, I may be a little bit highfalutin. I don't mm-hmm. know, it's just who I am. But, but it's not so much what I say as, as being the most important thing. It is what I say, what is it making of me? What am I becoming? Am I using my knowledge to, to be superior over others? Or am I using my knowledge and that which I learn from Scripture? Do, do I become more humble? Isn't that what learning is all about? Teaching mm-hmm. us how to become more humble because what we know and what we think we know is but a drop yes. in the bucket. Yes. That yes. the message really is who we are um, because of what we believe and what we read in Scripture and what we learn. That even when we preach, it is, it is that interaction with one another where, which makes the, 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 where the true message, I think, hangs out. Because, you know, we get lost in rhetoric. Mm-hmm. We get lost in interpretation. Um, so it's about, you know, um, we, we must raise people up from where they are. We must not allow people to think like slaves. You've got to challenge them to push themselves. We've got to be there alongside them, not above them, mm. in order to, to bring them along. Um, and, 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 and unfortunately, um, in the whole of society, as soon as I am raised on a pedestal, then of course I've got subjects under me. Yeah. Whereas yeah. 
Jesus said, you know, the Son of Man came not to seek to, to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He, in fact, said the words before that, it is not so with us. Mm. That's a very important uh, part, part of the Watson. So Jesus challenges those who are assuming a higher position of intelligence, of understanding of who God is and what God wants. Um, and so from the perch they speak, they're still enslaving people. Mm. I certainly believe he walked from the dusty road so that he can look at people eye to eye, mm. so that he can help raise them from their sense of um, um, illusion, loyal, uh, uh, loneliness, to a, 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 a sense of humility that um, helps them to become, um, it helps them to be counted. Because through that sense of humility, people would listen to them. So, so he did come to, to raise people up out of what society, what they've allowed society to push them down. Mm -hmm. so, so again, Ian, you, you know, um, when we read scripture, do we know how to read scripture? Mm. When you alluded to the, the technical things that are used in speaking, in propagating and all of those kind of things. And, and you know, um, with, with social media, everybody has a voice. Yes. That's yes. the illusion <laughs> of social media. I think, yes, it is the illusion. <laughs> some, some, some animals are more, are, are more special than others. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I mean, look with, with your friend Elon Musk. Yes. Um, I mean, the stories around him and Twitter and, and people and all of that kind of things. Uh, it's amazing how money now makes him a prophet. Mm. You know, um, and again, one doesn't want to pull people down. He's worked hard to where he's become. But yeah. we've, we've got to, I think what we've got to be teaching people is how in, in giving them a sense of identity as Paul was giving them, your friend Paul was giving these people a sense of identity. But our identity is not to make us um, more special than others. Mm -hmm. It's an identity that, that would say everybody uh, could have the freedom of this kind of, of, of sense of self. And so my sense of identity must not suppress your sense of identity. Indeed. If you believe that we are made of dust, then we are all made of the same dust. Well, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> but, yeah, we're all made of the same stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And we need to have the humility to accept that. And, and um, they, what is those words? In, to encourage you and strengthen you to always do and say what is good. Uh, um, words you can't disagree with. Yeah, I was <laughs> I was I was fascinated um, uh, last night. I'm, I'm up in Johannesburg right now, taking on a, on a new role, and it's a leadership role within an organization. And um, I was speaking with with some of, of of the younger guys, and you you were talking about uh, the the like education actually teaches you to be more humble. Like the more you know, the more you know what you don't know, you know. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And and the the one guy was was quite adamant in in his 
like his strategy is always to begin with the end in mind. And I was like, well, when it comes to like content production, if you have a vision of something, to know how to make it, how to execute your vision, you need to know all the the subtleties and the techniques at every single layer of that content creation process. And and I was telling him, and I felt so bad because I, I feel like like that arrogant old man, the old man, where it's like you you don't understand right now, but soon, like in the future, it will reach that point. <laughs> be like yes. Maybe I was a little bit arrogant, <laughs> and this is not the best way to do things. <laughs> yeah, but I think I, it's amazing that um, we 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 never learn when we're young. Yeah, but in yeah. retrospect, we now learn when we are older. Indeed. <laughs> but thank you very much, uh, Archdeacon. For being a responsible preacher, <laughs> you, sub, you submit yourself to 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 be attacked, to have your profession um, undressed every single weekend, and I applaud you for that. Well, thank you for being my companion on this journey of exploring our faith in critical times. Indeed, and very thank you very much for listening. As always, the choice. Passages are in the podcast description along with some of the prayers and I think it's the benediction at the end. And yeah, we will be back next week. <laughs>